What's up, church planters and church planting enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. What's up, Matt? What's going on? Not much, man. You guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. And whether you are a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team or you're just a fan of church planting, this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and bring the gospel into the darkest places in North America. Today, uh, I'm pretty pumped because we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects. We're going to be talking about evangelism. Uh, There are no shortcuts in church planting. You must practice evangelism. And they don't think I know a buttload of crap about the gospel, but I do. We really do know a buttload of crap about the gospel. (laughs) At least we like to think we do. We like to think we do. Uh, Honestly, we're just trying to figure things out just like everybody That's more like else. It. Matt, what's been going on, man? What, uh, what's been happening this week? What's something interesting that happened to you this week? Oh, man, I embarrassed myself in my sermon this past Sunday. Okay, tell me. So uh, I was talking about forgiveness, and I said, uh, I said, Peter goes to Jesus, and Jesus says to forgive 70 times 7. And so I look at our congregation, I pause, and I say, so does that mean on the 78th time you're allowed to retaliate? <laughs> You don't, you don't math. You don't math very well. I don't math very well. Don't math very well. <laughs> so technically, I guess it should have been the four hundred ninety first time. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> but Scott Reinauer, our community outreach pastor, comes up to me. He's like, big, "Big shout out, Scott! Big up, Scott!" And so Scott was a mechanical engineer in his former life, so he does math quite well. Oh, and uh, but you know what? I'm pretty sure my my fifth grader probably could have called me out on that one, Jared. Yeah, that's probably true. Probably yeah. could have. Probably could have. I don't it's a good thing that well. sh- it's a good thing you found a career in church planting, or else you'd probably <laughs> be in some big trouble. I would definitely be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't embarrass myself this week. I'm. Uh, uh, I did have something kind of cool happen to me. Yeah, this man. Week, tell though. us about. It. Yeah, man. We since we're on the topic of evangelism, evangelism today, we I had some buddies up. Uh, from Salt Lake City, Utah, they're part of a of a coalition, uh, uh, kind of an interdenominational coalition called No Place. Shout Left. out No Place Left, yeah. awesome organization. Shout out to Troy Cooper. Yeah, big ups. Homie. We'll have him on. Soon. I love your beard. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, we definitely need to have Troy on. We need For to sure, man. Him. He's he's got some incredible great insight to share. Yeah, but uh, so uh, Matt and Tyler are from Salt Lake City, which I think if uh, I mean I know every single person says that every single planter says that I, my field is the hardest field in yeah. the world or North America. Our, our soil is so hard and things like that. But I legitimately believe that Salt Lake City may actually be Salt Lake City's tough, man. Place. Oh man, I mean ninety five percent of the population Mormons. is a cult. Yeah, essentially. exactly. It's crazy. But anyways, they so they came up and they were just a great encouragement. We were doing a training and I went out. Uh, we went out and uh, what we call going into the harvest, where we basically just go out to specifically share the gospel. Right. We went to uh, the mall in Pickering, the Pickering Town Center. And, yeah. Um, first guy we walked up to, uh, Tyler saw him from like a hundred meters away. Uh, for our American friends, that's kind of like yards. I don't math well. Stop looking at me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just math. I don't <laughs> why are you why, looking at me? I don't me? know why I was looking I at have you no to idea. try to translate for me because you're the last person that would. That's right, bro. Okay. Well, anyways, so we don't know the exact. Uh, specifications but just trust us it's about 100 yards and so he sees him from a ways away yeah and he told me he said we need to go talk to that guy we walked up to him his name was Amit and uh, we started talking to Amit and uh, you know prayed for him and asked him if anybody had ever shared the gospel with him before and he said oh yeah yeah I've studied all that stuff and so I just started asking him questions you know okay well tell me tell me what you know about it and I got this conversation kind of figured out that um, his his mother's side was 
uh, Jewish and his father's side was Muslim, which was an interesting combination, interesting. I thought. Uh, and he kind of believed that there was multiple ways to God and, you know, he didn't really, you know, he said, I don't, you know, I don't believe that Jesus is God. And over the course of about an hour, um, uh, and really I give, uh, uh, you know, Tyler was just, you know, had some incredible wisdom to share with him. And about an hour later, he was telling us, I'm ready to surrender to Jesus. Wow. Praise God. Pretty cool stuff. So awesome, man. Yeah. So that's uh, what it's all about, dude. That's why we do what we do. It's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. So that's kind of a, a great you know, way to segue into well, that and fog machines. Uh, yeah, fog machines too. I actually messed with. Uh, <laughs> we were doing a. Uh, we were being evaluated uh, essentially for our, uh, our our ministry, and so what yeah. we call an iron on iron at this uh, four fields yeah. intensive training that we did. And uh, if you've never seen the uh, the four fields, I don't really have time to explain it. But basically, you put the tools that you're using. Uh, and so one did of you the, put a fog machine in one of the fields? Yes, I did. I put fog machine in the field four tool in the church tools up there. Just to I bet those guys ate you for lunch. Oh no, they thought it was funny. That's they funny. That was, and yeah. the strobe lights. Yeah, can't forget the strobe no. lights. So practicing evangelism. Yeah, um, I think it's one of the things that um, it, you know we talk about it a lot, but I still see a deficiency. Uh, when it comes to church planting with practicing evangelism, we have this tendency, I feel like, to kind of fall back on other means to reach people. Yeah. I think we still have this tendency to try to want to draw crowds and yeah. to use means. Because let's be honest, it's a lot easier to get people to come into my church because that's an environment where I'm more comfortable. And yeah. hey, I can be bold as a lion when I'm inside a church. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I, before I ever church planted and I was thinking about planning a church. Uh, and I was, uh, I, I'd begun the application process with the North American mission board. And there was a questionnaire they sent me as part of the application. And, um, one of the questions they asked was how many people have you personally led to faith in Jesus Uh-oh. outside of the church in the past 12 months? Uh-oh. And I looked at that question and stared at my computer screen for a while and really began to feel sick. Yeah. And I realized Nobody. I haven't wow. even shared the gospel with somebody outside wow. of church in the past 12 months. And that was the kick in the pants yeah. that I needed. And I realized like, if I'm going to plant churches, That's right. and if I'm not doing this here in Texas, what makes me think I'm going to do it out on the field? Boom. You're, you, you wish the question would have been like, how many John Piper sermons have you listened to in the past? You'd be like, hundreds. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Read all his books, pre- <laughs> you know, listened to all his sermons. Those, those moments, though, man... The spirit has a way of just like, ouch, like right to the heart. And yeah. we realize like we're not doing what we were designed it's to do. It's called a Holy Spirit punch to the face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's called a Holy Spirit punch to the face. So um, the need for practicing evangelism, Matt, why do you think uh, it's such an important thing for us to do? Why are there no shortcuts to church planning when it comes to evangelism? Man, I I, I just like backtrack a bit. When, when we got into church planning, when God... You don't get into church planting. You're called into it, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, when when we were called to church planting, I went to anything and everything. I knew nothing about church planting. Absolutely nothing. I knew one church planner. Well, I knew the Apostle Paul and others in the Bible, but I, I didn't know any. I didn't know any church planters. I knew one guy who had planted out west and went to seminary with me, went to my seminary and was wildly successful. And that's all. And he was gracious to take my call and talk to him a little bit. Um, that's all I knew about church planting. And so I started to consume anything and everything I could. I read any book I could, um, dove into podcasts like this, anything that I could, you know, and there wasn't a ton 
uh, talk about evangelism. And I remember one time I went to this conference and they talked about how to have a great Sunday morning gathering. They talked about how to grow people theologically. Good stuff, you know? Yep. But it's just like, when are we going to talk about what church planning is all about? Mm-hmm. Church planning is, we, we believe that, and even our network, I mean, you know, because you're part of the leadership team in the fellowships. Jared's our evangelism strategist. And we do not, if people are not about church planning, we won't accept them into our network or about evangelism. I'm sorry. You know, they you, sh- won't, you won't <laughs> accept somebody that doesn't like planting churches to become a church planner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't, I don't math well nor speak well. <laughs> uh, so like, if somebody's like, I'm not really into that. Right. And we'll say, well, let us teach you to be into that. And if they're teachable, then amen. Mm-hmm. If they're just like not going to do it, then we'll say, you're not wanting to plant a church. You want to start a service. Yep. And there's a huge difference. And so church planning is about one thing. It's about reaching lost people. That's right. And if we ever lose that focus, then we become something that it's not supposed to be about. That's right. And so uh, church planning is about evangelism. It's about reaching lost people. And that's it. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, the Great Commission... Uh, Go and make disciples yeah. of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, yeah. teaching them to obey all I've commanded, Amen. and lo, I'm with you always yeah. to the end of the age. We can't make disciples unless we share the good news about Jesus with people. And I think yeah. when you when you look at the Gospels and you look at how Jesus modeled uh, outreach and how the apostles uh, carried on uh, that great commission um, and how they went about being witnesses throughout Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the yeah. ends of the earth. Uh, what you see uh, is you see Jesus and the apostles sharing the gospel early and often. often. They weren't shy about it. Right. Uh, they weren't uh, using underhanded methods. They were very upfront about what they were there to do. Yeah. Uh, the gospel uh, the very word means news. It's good news. So right. what do you do with news? We tell people Proclaim news. it, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I know that there's a, a statistic that the Billy Graham uh, Association uh, did and found that 98% of Christians aren't doing that. They're not That's making right. disciples, which is uh, really probably one of the most uh, critical problems that we face as the church in yeah. North America right now. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, uh, the laborers are in the harvest too. It's something that we we say a lot. You know, when we come, right. you know, we want to multiply. Yeah, right. So we don't want to just plant a church and grow that church. We want to plant lots of churches because right. I know, really, in every city in North America, but I know specifically for our context, we need hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more churches yeah. here in the GTA. And those laborers in the harvest. I know. I love. Uh, I wanted you to maybe share the story about James Greaves yeah. and, uh, and just how uh, how God has moved in that situation and he was faithful to bless your labors in the harvest. Yeah, man. So when we first moved up here, um, <laughs> people, people were like, this is how you should do it, this is how you should. And I remember, um, I was like, we're, we're going to start knocking on doors. And what? I know. People still do that? People do that? Weird. The, this guy one time I was at a, at a conference and he's like, you know, you can't do that in a place like the greater Toronto area. And I said, why not? And he's like, they do that in places like Alabama and Georgia and Oklahoma, where I'm from. Shoot out, shout out Sooner State. And uh, so, you know, so I was like, dude, and people get saved there. People get saved in Alabama and Georgia and Oklahoma, and they're going to get saved in the GTA. Yep. And so, you know, um, I don't know what ever happened to that guy. He's toiling somewhere, not knocking on doors. But anyways, so, uh, so we moved up here, you know, and was challenged uh, by some... Just by the Holy Spirit and by a coach at the time that I had, John Wooster. Shout out John Wooster. Great guy. And uh, started knocking on doors. And the first door we ever knocked on 
was a young guy named James Greaves, and he's 21 at the time. And um, we had this survey, and then we got to the gospel at the end of the survey. And if the spirit, you know, if it was there. And so we shared this survey. And then the last question was, what do you think about Jesus? Who do you think Jesus is? And James answered the survey, like all the questions up to that sixth question, like really smoothly, right? And we got to the sixth question. He was like, well, Jesus is, um, uh, you know, he's, and then he just paused and he said, I don't know. <laughs> and so we shared the gospel right there. Um, shared the gospel Asked him, you know, hey man, what do you what do you do for a living? And he was like, I'm a truck driver. And uh, so I was like, man, that's, that's that's awesome. And I was like, hey, can I come back and just talk to you again? And he's like, yeah, I'll be back like in two weeks. And I came back um, and said to him, I said, hey, we're starting a church for people that are lost. We want to go reach lost people, people that don't don't know Christ. And I, I literally said this to him. I said. I want you to to help us start this church because you obviously don't know Jesus <laughs> and you have friends and family who probably don't know Jesus. So could you come with us? And I'll never forget it. He said, absolutely. Wow. And people's like, how can you do that? Like, say he's lost and, and why would he want to be a part of something when he's lost? <laughs> and I always tell people because, man, the kingdom of God is like something. It's, it's unlike anything else. Mm. And he was right there. James is what we would call. You know, I don't know if we'll get into this, but he was low-hanging fruit, right? Like, the Spirit had obviously um, been preparing his heart. Nobody comes to the Father unless the Spirit's doing the work. And he was primed. He was ready. Um, and and so, a few months later, probably about six months later, just being in our home, James gave his life to Christ. About six months after that, he calls me up one day and said, Hey, dude, um, I, I got I to talk to you about something. And I was a little sick to my stomach because, you know, Satan loves yeah. new believers. Yeah. And he likes to tackle them. I thought, man, what's this guy done? He's held up a bank or something, you know? <laughs> and uh, he's like, man, uh, I don't know how to say this, but um, I'm just, so I'm just going to say, he said, I, I think I'm, I, 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 he said, I know I want to preach the, the gospel. I'm called to be a preacher. Man. And I was just like, boy. So cool. Yeah, I, got, I, I get goosebumps talking about it, you know? And, and uh, so James is going to be our fourth church plant, you know? So what, to get back what you said, man, it's in the harvest, dude. The laborers are in the harvest. They're in the field. We got to go to them. That's right. Uh, and I mean, we... You know, we always say around here, I know I tell my people all the time and I tell people that I'm, you know, talking to our church at our church plant, we, we want to throw the kitchen sink at Lawson. That's so, right. So, I mean, have we, you know, sent out flyers before, you know, do we do events, things like yeah. that? Yeah, sure. We do things like that. But, you know, as we've reflected back yeah. on all the things that we've done, you know, not only have we done those, but we've knocked on thousands of Absolutely. doors. We've gone to the mall, we've gone to the park yep. and we go up and we share the gospel and yeah. we, we try to spend several hours a week in the harvest. And one of the things I've noticed is that the most lasting fruit yeah. that we have in our church plants is from the harvest. Yeah. I mean, I think about, I thought about, um, you know, uh, you know, several names this morning, just of people who yeah. now, uh, not only are they walking with Jesus, but they're bringing others to Jesus now. Yeah. And they're, most of those people are not people that came through flyers or came through right. events. They're coming yeah. in the harvest, which just tells me I want to go spend even more time yeah. and invest more in the harvest and less on sending out flyers yeah. or doing events. Not that those things are wrong. Yeah, they're not bad. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. But, you know, yeah. like we want to get into the harvest. Yeah, more and we more do that stuff, right? Like we'll yeah. do anything. Like I love what mm -hmm. you say. You throw the kids sink at, at losses. I mean, we do flyers. We had a, a lot. We had a guy, uh, we have people come all the time. We got a family that's coming right now because they received an invitation card, but we put it on their door. We hand delivered it to them, right? Yep. And so, like, think it's you're right. The relation, nothing trumps relationship, yep. right? Nothing. So, Absolutely. go into people's where it's at. 
Yeah, and I, you know, there's a, a lot of different ways to practice evangelism, but I think that um, you know the best ways to do evangelism are direct ways. Yes. Uh, you know, and so uh, you know, you were telling the story about the guy that told you that uh, you know, well, they don't knock. We don't, you know, knocking on doors doesn't work up here in the GTA. Yeah. Uh, whenever I, I hear people say things like that to me, it always reminds me of that famous you know Dale Moody quote where he yeah. says, "I like my way of practicing evangelism better yeah. than your way of not." Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah, and, and uh, so I find that usually people who critique uh, evangelism techniques, they're they're not it. doing it, man. They're not, they're not doing you it. You know, I I. I um, I had a guy, you know, I think when you are down on methods of other people who, like, I don't care what it is, man. Like, we, we have our tools, right, through No Place Left, three circles, four fields. Like, we practice those things, and I think those things are, are great. But, man, I'm not going to knock anybody. No. Like, if, they, if, if, if their method is tracks, they do tracks. Hey, dude, people get saved through gospel tracks mm-hmm. at truck stops, like, all the time. Yep. And my dad's a truck driver, and, um, you know, so... If people, the, the, the point is do it, just yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say are some of the things that keep planters from getting into the harvest? Because obviously, uh, this is a, a real issue. Yeah. Um, you know, even for church planters who they want to reach lost people, I've noticed that, uh, the majority of their time ends up getting filled with other things besides actually engaging lostness. And, you know, I was reading a biography uh, by Ian Murray called Wesley and the Men Who Followed. Mm. It was about John Wesley and then some of the guys yeah. who kind of carried the mantle after yeah. uh, he passed away early on. And it was super convicting because as I looked through their daily schedules, like one of them had a journal and he had his daily schedule in there. Yeah. Like what they spent the majority of their day doing, they spent the majority of their day doing two things, abiding in Christ yep. and sharing the gospel yeah. out in the community. I mean, I, that's, those what, are, that's a good start. Yeah, absolutely. Like for every church by listening. But a lot of times it seems like a lot of guys in planting... <clears throat> If they have time in their day, they'll squeeze those two things yeah. in and they're spending the rest of their time strategizing or they're spending 45 hours a week preparing their yeah. sermon, you know, things yeah. like that. So, I mean, what do you think are some of the things that keep planters from getting into the harvest? Oh, man. I mean, fear. Mm. Fear has got to be the number one, yeah. on, on, you know, in my opinion. Like, there's all kinds of other things we could talk about, but it's got to be fear. People, l- listen, people are afraid to be rejected. I don't care who you are, what you do in life. If you're a used car salesman or whatever it might be. People are afraid. They're, they're fearful to be denied. They're fearful to be told no. And there's only one way to get over that. You got to do it. That's right. You got to develop. We, I mean, you know, as our, as our strategist for our network, we tell our planners and potential planning residents this, you know, you, you've got to develop thick skin. You know, you're going to get told no a lot. You're, you're going to people's going to say no to you. But, you know, we've been here for five years, knocked on literally thousands of doors and you know the one thing, it's what, that's what I love about you know how we do it, how we knock on doors. You know, Very few people have told us they don't want prayer. Very few. Mm-hmm. And which is our lead-in to Three Circles and to the gospel and stuff. Yeah. But I, I, would, I would say fear. Planners are afraid. And the only way to get over that fear is they got to go and practice it. Yeah. And we're going to get to, before we wrap up, maybe yeah. some specific um, you know, steps that guys can take and actually kind of share what we actually do when yeah. we go door-to-door and things like that. But uh, yeah, Peyton Jones... Um, He's got a book uh, called Reaching the Unreached, Becoming yeah. Raiders of the Lost Art. He said... Uh, Shout out Peyton. Yeah. We'll big, have him on here too. Peyton. Uh, we'd love to, man. It's And by the way, if you have not read that book, uh, you you just need to go get it. So go buy the book. Cha-ching, Peyton. Um, <laughs> so he says this. He says, marketing and attracting crowds of Christians from other churches is what leaders fall back on when they don't have the nerve to be on the front lines and actually reach lost people. Ouch. Ouch, indeed. 
Ouch, indeed. But there's so much truth in that. Yeah. We tend to fall back on what's easy, yeah. right? And on what we know. And I know that, I mean, I think lots of planters, you know, they, they have this dream in their heads of they want to be the next Charles Spurgeon, you know, yeah. and people are pouring into the Metropolitan Tabernacle to come in here and they're going to spend, you know, copious amounts of time preparing this sermon yeah. and it's going to be spirit filled and people are going to fall on their faces. But I think what people forget is that Spurgeon spent most of his time in the community. Right. Like, he usually started preparing his sermons on Saturday. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, he yeah. spent a lot of time abiding, but the dude was out hitting the streets and hitting the pavement yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so if we think that we're just going to have crowds of people showing up because uh, we're, you know, we're doing marketing and yeah. we're, you know, sending out flyers and things like that, yeah. that's the way we're going to reach lost people. Yeah. I think that we're kind of deceiving ourselves. Our pulpits can't be, like, you ask some planners, I, I had a guy say one time, what's your evangelism strategy? And he said, my pulpit. And I said, that sounds so spiritual. But I said, you're not going to plant a church that way, nope. you know, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, yes, preach the gospel in the pulpit. Yes, invite people. We do that. We practice that in the network. We give yeah. people clear on-ramps to receive Jesus every single Sunday. You know, your your service should be an evangelistic event basically right. every Sunday. So we And we encourage our people to invite their friends, and we yeah. do all that, right? But just nothing nothing beats being in your community and sharing the gospel with people. That's right. Yeah. I think we got to spend more time obeying yeah. what we see in the book of Acts yeah. than preaching yeah. and writing sermons yeah. on the book of Acts. I preached through the book of Acts for two and a half years when I pastored in Mississippi. And it's 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 God moved through that. We saw people get saved and, and some good things. And we actually even saw some men called to ministry out of that. And it was good. But I would never do it the way I did it. You know, that time I would have tried to mobilize our church to be more on mission in the community. Absolutely. So let's, um, you know, for, for our listeners right now, um, we want, we definitely want to give you guys some tools, some practical tools, cause you might be thinking, well, I want to get out into the harvest more and, you know, I want to do some of these things, but I just don't really know where to start. Uh, so, uh, you know, let's, uh, I just kind of wanted to review a little bit of maybe ask you what you guys do, um, yeah. for, you know, your evangelism strategy yeah. and then, uh, maybe I'll kind of share a little bit about what we do as well. Yeah. Our strategy is basically what the network does. Mm-hmm. Basically at, at every fellowship, you know, we've kind of adopted, uh, the no place left model. You know, it's when we first moved up here, um, it was easy for us when you got connected with Troy and kind of the new no place left folks it was kind of easy for us because we'd already tried to make evangelism the core of what we do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll go. It's tough in Canada because of the weather. Yeah. So you have to find the town centers or malls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we what we do is in the warmer months, we'll go door to door. We'll knock on doors. And we, we start by just asking, hey, my name is Matt Hess. And we do identify that we're with the church. We'll say, my name is Matt Hess. I'm part of a church called Fellowship Pickering. Mm-hmm. And we're just out today showing care for our community. The best way we think we can do that is by praying for our community. Is there anything that we can pray for you about today? Mm-hmm. And that's our that's our lead-in, and yeah. that's how we start. Um, before we ever go out, before we ever start abiding, John fifteen five is our life verse. Mm-hmm. My wife Erica and I's verse, and it's 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 kind of our life verse for the network, and it's it's what we try to practice. We literally cannot do nothing if we're not abiding in the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and so we ask the Spirit to anoint us um, to abide in Christ, and then we always have information about the church. Like we'll have a card or something like that, and then we 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 ask that question: Is there any way we can pray for that person? Mm-hmm. They, however, they respond: Yes, no, yes. We pray for them, and then we usually ask something like, "Hey, let me ask you a question." It, depending on what they ask for prayer about, but um, you know, depending if what the response is. Mm-hmm. But then we'll say, um, "Let me ask you a question: Have you ever had a practicing 
Christian share with you what we actually believe. Mm -hmm. And then they say 90% of the time, the majority of the time, they say no. And then we we, we go into a presentation. We share the gospel. We use the tool called Three Circles. And um, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, we do uh, much of the same thing. I think, uh, you know, we we also will take out uh, information about our church. We tend to kind of withhold that. You know, what our strategy uh, is we we call it thirty lights. That's our vision, and yeah. we have lighthouses, which is our di- idea of a missional community. And our vision is to see thirty of them scattered all throughout the city of Oshawa. And then we we our prayer is that some of those lighthouses would become autonomous churches uh, as we yeah. pray for God to send us you know apostolic type leaders. Uh, and so you know we're looking not just for uh, persons of peace, but houses of peace. Yeah. You know, so we're looking for homes to open up because I think that you know again the laborers are out in the harvest, and so yeah. you know every door I'm knocking on, I'm hoping like, hey, maybe this is the next lighthouse. Yeah. Maybe this is the next place where we're going to see a household come to faith. Yeah. We're going to see a home open up because what's one of the cool things about being in a place where 98% of the people are. Uh, Far from God is that they're what we would call their oikos or their yeah. their um, their, their relational, their relational network. network. Yeah, they're it's full of lost people. Absolutely, you know, every lost person you reach is connected to tons and tons of other people yeah. far from God. Like uh, uh, one young woman in our church, Ashley. Um, we uh, two of our elders, Mike and Chris, knocked on her door almost a year ago now and shared the gospel with her right up front. And she didn't come to faith right away, but she, they. You know, exchange contact info, which, by the way, it's super important that you do that. Yeah, get, get their contact info and follow, follow up, up follow up, follow up. Keep uh, track of yeah. the doors you knock on, absolutely. the streets you go down, all yeah. that stuff. Don't just don't just leave the gospel right. and then run. Like you need to you need to follow up with that person and connect. And because Mike and Chris did that, they were able to stay in contact with Ashley. And a couple months down the road, her life began to uh, kind of. Uh, you know, she began to experience some difficulties and the spirit used that to really kind of open her yeah. up and show her her need for Christ. And she ended up coming to faith in Jesus. And man, that girl has been the most fruitful labor, laborer at our church yeah, by amen. far. Man, yeah. more fruitful than all the pre-existing Christians yeah. that started out on our core team. She's bringing tons it of works, people. It works, man. Like, you, and you'll meet people who are, you'll meet people, the goal is always to meet lost people. Yep. The goal is always to see lost people come to Christ. But, you know, last summer we were knocking on doors in Pickering and we came across a woman probably in her early 50s and she was sitting on the front porch with her like entire family who were visiting from India. Mm. And, you know, um, she was and is a, a Christ follower, but probably about six weeks ago, um, she, so she's been coming ever since mm. to, to Fellowship Pickering, but probably about six weeks ago, she started bringing her husband mm. who is not a believer and he comes faithfully with her every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it works. Yep. <laughs> but And people are like, why does it work? Well, because it's biblical. Yep. <laughs> We're called to go into the harvest That's right. and, and find the one, That's as right. Jesus did. Yeah, we um, whenever we'll we'll knock on doors or, you know, if we're going out in the park or something like that, we usually start off with offering prayer. Absolutely. Say, hey, is there, you know, and that's a lot of times, uh, you know, we, we've heard it called a lot of times the second seven seconds of insanity. So kind of starting that yeah. question, you know, kind of word vomiting that first part, yep. because I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people is how do I even begin this discussion? Yeah. And so we'll just go up and say, hey. We're just out in the neighborhood caring for the community. Want to know if there was any way that I could pray for you? And that's a good filtering question yeah. to see if people are even open. Uh, you know, one time I had a guy 
uh, told me, I asked him, you know, you know, if God were uh, real and he could do a miracle in your life, what would you ask him to do? And he said, I, I'd ask him to make you go away. And I said, well, brother. Did you give him a fist bump? I, I didn't. And I said, brother, you, you've got proof now that God is real because uh, a miracle has been granted. Dude, but, listen, uh, listen, man. When um, we, we survey our community sometimes. So you ask what we do. When we started new churches, we do some combined stuff. Like out in Boneville, we'll do surveys. We'll go door to door. We'll do surveys and the gospel. We interchange them. We mix them both together, mm-hmm. depending on where that person is at. Mm-hmm. And um, on the, the first question that we ask on that survey is, on a scale of 1 to 10, rate your desire to know more about God. And we asked that question one time, and this guy was like, negative 11. <laughs> and I <laughs> And I was like, so, <laughs> so, it's yeah. that, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so, so it complete, just, you know me, man, like I went along with it completely dead, <laughs> straight faced, didn't crack a smile. And I said, so are you saying you're not interested? <laughs> and he was like, that's exactly what I'm saying. I was like, have a great day. Man. So, <laughs> oh man. That's you got to girl. you put you, the, I, the point we want to express the planters is you got to grow thick skin. Yeah. You really honestly sure. do. Jesus was rejected. The Bible says the world hates you. Um those are those are not those are not yeah. like questions like maybe maybe they won't like as much. I mean no, like the world's not going to like you well, unless be, the spirit's working to people. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. If you're not if you're out there right now and you are not re- experiencing rejection and persecution, something's wrong. Yeah. Something's yeah. wrong. I mean, you, because Jesus promised us that we're going to be hated because we're uh, his disciples. I mean, yeah. uh, the apostle Paul said it. He said, all who are godly yep. in Christ Jesus will experience persecution. Yeah. It wasn't a probably will. He said, no, it's a promise that yeah. you will. And whenever you're on the front lines That's and you're right. actually being bold with the gospel, you're going to experience that. But I tell people all the time uh, when I train uh, teams that come up here, we yeah. you know, all our missions teams that come up, yep. we equip them to share that's the right. gospel because that's what we want them doing when we're up here. And I, t- I tell them, I can promise you three things when you got this week. Number one, you're going to get rejected. Yep. Number two, it's not going to hurt that bad. Yeah. And number three, you're going to have at least one conversation that's going to make all of it worth it. Yeah. Because you're going to discover it's that good, there man. are God-prepared people out there. There yeah. are people that the Spirit is working in and drawing. And that convers- you're going to have a conversation with that person. And even if they, you, you don't see somebody come to faith, just the fact that you're going to discover there are people that are open yeah. to talking about these things, it's going to make it worth it. It's, yeah. it's absolutely worth it, man. We had a young girl who came. She's probably 16, 17, one, one year on a mission trip. Actually, it was last summer. And she said, uh, we went out into the harvest and she said, we always do a debrief, mm-hmm. right? And so we go out for about an hour at a time, came back, hour, hour and a half, came back to the park where we were at and we debriefed. I said, what'd you guys think? And this, this girl got to lead her first person to Christ. Yeah. And I, she, I, I trained that girl. I yeah, I, I, absolutely. That's yeah. what I was about to say. Yeah. And, um, so she was like, she said to me, she said, um, it's, it's not, as hard as I thought. Like she said, I had all this angst and anxiety and fear and all this stuff. And then she said, you know, afterwards, like right now, just sitting here, I'm thinking to myself, like, why, why? And I told her, I said, because Satan wants you to feel that way. The enemy hates what we're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to do. So, yeah, I I think that, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of creative ways you can do this too. It doesn't have to just be door to door, although I would recommend uh, doing it. Don't knock it until you try it. I mean, we've, um, you know, don't, we'll knock, and, don't knock it. Don't knock it until you knock on it. Yeah. That's <laughs> mm, that good. Dad joke. That's a dad joke, That's man. A dad joke you, right there. You, you gotta have four kids for that stuff oh, yeah. happens. 
We, um, you know, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll go into the park and we'll pass out water bottles yeah. or things like that in the summer. In the, good, in the good deeds lead to good news. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the wintertime, we'll go out, we'll pass out hot hot coffee or chocolate, uh, hot chocolate, no, hot chocolate or what? coffee uh, on the, uh, you know, we'll just go down to the corner of downtown Oshawa, yeah, right. one of Absolutely. the street corners down there and do that. Uh, we'll go and we'll, we'll hand out care bags filled with toiletry items yep. to some, because yeah. we live in a pretty uh, poor community. There's, yeah. Uh, you know, tacos, we've done that before. We'll take a bunch of tacos down to the park. Tacos. And, you know, because people up here, they don't know about tacos. Yeah. So we're trying to we're trying to bring them the good news of tacos. That and, guy uh, in Oshawa's got an awesome taco place. Burrito, burrito place. Burrito place, yeah. Jesus. That's good. Shout out Jesus. Jesus. I don't think Jesus, Jesus is listening. He's probably not listening. Probably not, but maybe he will one day. We're believing the Lord for, for his salvation and call to ministry. <laughs> I, I went so. to go see Jesus on family day, and Did he you? was closed. He just had a paper sign written with well, the marker. He's a one-man shop, so he, he is, can kind of do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think another important uh, you know thing to think about for you guys that are listening is man, your oikos. That oh, the word absolutely. oikos is a Greek word that means household. It's your right. circle of influence. So you know what what you can do is you can write your name in the middle of a piece of paper and draw a circle around it, yep. and then you can kind of branch out like spokes on a wheel and begin to write out the names yeah. of everybody that you're connected with, whether it's the clerk at the store or whether it's your brother or yeah. whatever, and you write their names in there, and then you begin to, number one, pray and fast for those people, yeah. that they would come to faith in Jesus, and then you got to actually go and open your mouth. Yeah. You can't pray, oh God, you know, I had, I had um, uh, a woman tell me one time, and uh, she emailed me, and, and um, her sister uh, was dying of cancer, and she emailed me and said, I, you know, I'm just praying that God will send somebody wow. uh, to her uh, to share with her, and and it broke my heart when I read that, and and I emailed her back, and I, you know I said, hey, I, I want you to know I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for your uh, sister, but I want to encourage with somebody. I said maybe that person that you've been praying for yeah, is you. That's you know? right. Because, I mean, in this situation, I mean, time is short. Like, Absolutely. What do you have to lose except her soul? Yeah. Um, you know, and so uh, I think that, man, if God has put somebody in your life that is lost, guess who his plan is to yeah. reach them? You. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, that's a great word, man, because, like, of course, we do whatever you want to call it, cold evangelism. You know, we go door to door. We walk up to people in town centers and Walmarts and all that kind of stuff. But... When you talk about Oikos and you talk about what we call relational equity, everybody has, when you put your name in the middle, you have relational equity with those people that spread out from you. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's not, sometimes it's difficult for me to get into your Oikos unless I'm invited and, and vice versa, you know, unless I invite you into my Oikos. So if I go into your Oikos and share the gospel with somebody in your relationship, it's not that the spirit couldn't move. And it, that this is the, the reason I'm getting at the problem with what she how that lady emailed you. It's the same issue we see in churches all over North America. Yeah. Well, let me connect you with my pastor. Let me connect you with mm, my yeah. m- with my uh, missions pastor. No, no, no. You're the hope. The That's Bible right. says you're the hope That's for right. these people. Well, regard you know whether you're a Baptist or not, you know the priesthood of the believer yes. says that you know we have been given that identity, like Second Corinthians right. five says, we've been you're new. given the identity as a new creation yep. and as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so. Uh, it's not the pastor's job to go and share with your oikos. It's the pastor's job to equip you That's right. for the work of ministry and yeah. to go out. And, and so guys that are listening, you've got to remember that for your congregants too. Uh, yeah. yeah, you've got to share with your oikos you if you're pastoring them. a church plan, if you're on a church planning team, but you've got to equip your people yeah. or you're not going to multiply. No. You just If you and your wife are the only people that are making disciples in your church, yeah. your church is in trouble. I'll yeah. tell you that much right now. Yeah. You got to make disciples that make disciples. That's right. And you know we're uh, we're kind of running out of time, but I, I did want to direct uh, you know everybody that's listening to some resources. First of all, 
man, if this if you're wanting to get some training and you're wanting to get some tools or learn more about the tools we're talking about, I'd encourage you to go to www.noplaceleft.net. Uh, you can also uh, email me, uh, Jared at fellowshiposhawa.com. That's J-A-R-E-D at Fellowship Oshawa. That's O-S-H-A-W-A.com. And I'd be happy to connect you. And I'll tell you what, like if you're in the neighborhood and we can make it work, we'll even bring a team to come and train yeah. you and your church. Or if not us personally, because of No Place Left, we're connected with brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ all over the world yeah. who are capable trainers and they can come in and they can train your church on how to share the gospel on how to make disciples and on how to start churches. Uh, they're an incredible uh, network and uh, there's a lot of resources out there is what I'm saying. Like there's really no good excuse to oh, not start doing this. You know, it's just like, I know we're wrapping up here, but, but you know, when we think about the, we have to kind of, we have to also change our perspective. We have to, we have to, we, we pray these things all the time. Like, Lord, give us your eyes, give us your vision. Right. And the Puritans got this, man. They, they, they sought out the Lord's vision. Um, and, and I remember one time I was at a conference down in Tampa with a partner and um, I, I shared about, you know, our, our field here and, you know, 96, whatever the statistics are, 96, 98 percent of the people in the GTA don't have a relationship with Christ. And, you know, this I, I'm out in the foyer. It's a big church. This lady comes up to me and she is like a really excitable type woman, you know, and yeah. she comes up to me and she says, wow, so I heard your, I heard your uh, statistic, you know, you're in Toronto. And I said, yeah, the the GTA, you know, the very Toronto area. And she's like, wow, you know, it must be super easy up there. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I was like, well, it's, um, actually, I didn't even know how to, I didn't know what to say, man. And she just caught me so off guard. Yeah. And you know what she says to me? She says, yeah, it must be super easy up there if there's that many lost people. And I was just like, wow, like mind blown kind of thing, you know. And she, and so this woman tells me, she's like, I just got out of prison, you know. And um, I'm like, <laughs> so she's talking to me and then she's like, you know, I just got out of prison. And I'm like, okay. And um, she's like, so she's like, she's like, you know, so I can't drive. They won't give me a license. And I'm like, okay. She's like, but what I do is I take my bike. And she's like, I put a cooler and I strap a cooler on the front of my bike. And she said, I put cold bottles of water in there. And she's like, I go uh, to, to a place in Tampa there, and I just pass out bottles of water, and I tell people about Jesus all afternoon. And I was just like, oh, gosh. Man. Like, Conviction City, man. Yep. And I was just like, you know, we have to. I walked away from that encounter with that woman saying, you know, nothing is too big for, for my God. Sure. Nothing. Sure. Um, and you, and you got to wonder. Like, you sit back and you think about that, and you think, I wonder – how much more she's doing for the kingdom yeah. than maybe like 95% of the pastors in yeah. North America right now. Yeah. Seriously. I know. I God, know. God uses the, the, the weak and the foolish things of this yeah. world, and you know we see that all the time. Well, hey, guys, uh, we want to go ahead and give you your marching orders. That's something we want yeah. to kind of end every single podcast with. We want to give you a tangible step that you can take uh, and, and apply to your life and to your ministry. So what I would say... Uh, to you today is this. If you don't have a regularly scheduled weekly time in the harvest where you're intentionally going out and you're going to, like, I'm going out for an hour, for two hours to go yeah. and share the gospel, then you need to pick a time and you need to tell people that you trust to hold you accountable. You need to take your disciples with you. Discipleship yeah. is not just sitting across from the table doing a Bible lesson. Take them with you into the harvest and then you need to start doing it. Yeah. And again, if you need resources to, to, to help you figure out how to do that, www.noplaceleft.net. 
You can email me again, jared at fellowshiposhawa.com, J-A-R-E-D, and we would love to equip you and get you started doing that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, like uh, everybody, so we talk about this a lot and planners will be like, well, I do it as I go. And we say amen to that. You know, I, I flew down uh, to somewhere a while back and, you know, we had the opportunity. You got a captive audience on an airplane. So uh, a fellow uh, brother of mine, we, we got to share the gospel like multitudes of people on those flights, right? Mm -hmm. And so do that as you go. But what you're talking about, man, having that scheduled harvest time each week, it will get you in the discipline right. of talking about Jesus, explicitly right. sharing the gospel with other people. And I, I think some guys will be like, man, that's right. You know what? Uh, you're listening to this, you're like, man, I'm, I'm a loser. I'm going to go out for three hours every single day for six days. And, <laughs> That's something I would do. Yeah, yeah. That is something you would do, right? Yeah. And uh, like full throttle. And then you would burn out like in a month and then yeah. stop doing it. Like when I, when I wanted to start fasting and I was like, I'm going to do a 40-day fast to start. Don't do that. Bad idea. Yeah, bad idea. So, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, like heed to Jared's advice. I mean, it's, it's important that you separate um, – you spend some time in the harvest each week, like right. an hour, go out for an hour. We do it for an hour on Thursdays. That's what we try to do. And then if you're listening to this and you're a pastor and I talk to pastors all the time and pastors ask me this, they're like, Matt, how do I engage and get my staff? If you're, you know, my team to be more engaged in the harvest, you have to set the pace pastor. Like you have to set the pace leader. And a great thing that one step of action that you could take right now, if you're a lead pastor, start out your staff meetings with story times. Mm. We call it stories. That's good. And um, each week we do this at Fellowship Pickery and we start out and we say, hey guys, talk to me with, with some stories. And so yesterday um, was our, happened to be our staff meeting and our team went around and they, they gave me direct names of people that they encountered in the harvest and that we can pray for. And we prayed specifically for those people in our staff time. You have to begin to to get that ship turned around in the right direction and, and don't think it's going to happen overnight, but you can begin to start to take small steps like starting your staff meetings out with like stories That's and right. stuff. And I would even say, make it a requirement. Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, honestly, if somebody's going to be on a church planning team, especially if they're on staff, yeah. uh, I, I don't see how it's too much to ask no, that to be not. sharing the gospel because honestly, what are they doing in ministry if yeah. they're not sharing the gospel? And uh, and be yeah. gracious with people. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I would just say that like you know, some some you and I are very bent apostolically. Uh, you know, other 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 people might really have a tough time with it. And share the be, gospel, I'm going to crush you. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> so like, be gracious with people. People, some people are very introverted. Hmm. You know, but and I as we wrap this up today, like. I want to just express that obedience to the Great Commission is not about your personality. I've heard that way too many times. Well, you're an extrovert. I don't I'm, have the, I don't have the gift not. of evangelism. I don't have the gift of evangelism. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't see that in Scripture. We see people practicing obedience, right. and so you have to you have to do it, and right. and and we have to do it because God tells us to. Well, Matt, you think that people can tell that this is a topic that we're passionate about because this is our second episode and. We're already like 13 minutes over <laughs> on our, we were supposed to go 30 minutes 30 each minutes, episode, yeah. but you know, we'll see how that goes. We're still new to, new at this podcast. Yeah, we're thing, still so. new at it, man. I know. Yeah. It, well, I think when we talk about evangelism, it's, I think the reason why we're so passionate about it is because, uh, you know, I, I came from an incredible sending church who, you know, the pastor, the, the staff, you know, they, they practice evangelism. Mm -hmm. Like they do it, you know, I've led churches that. Don't, didn't quite do it. You know, you've been a part of churches, probably both and. And 
Um, I think when you have experience of being a part of ministries that did it really well, you want to practice that. And churches that maybe didn't do it so well, you want to fix that in the ministries you lead. And so I think we're really passionate about it also because once you, and this is something for everybody listening to really pick up on, like once you get a taste of it and you see somebody turn from darkness to light, oh, wow, there's just nothing like it, man. That's right. That's right. That's why we do it. It really is. It really is. So, well, guys, um, and we are uh, thankful, as always, that you tuned in to listen today. Uh, and so we pray that this has been a benefit to you and to your church plant. And we're going to be praying that uh, for lots of fruitful evangelism in the coming days, in the coming months, uh, for you and for your Amen. respective churches and church plants. Uh, so uh, if you enjoyed today's podcast, uh, make sure you do us a favor and uh, just share this podcast and tell a friend maybe who's involved with a church plant uh, about it. It doesn't have to be a lead church planter. It could be people on church planting teams or people that just love church planting. We ultimately want to reach lots of people and we want this to be an encouragement to as many folks as possible. So uh, as always, guys, don't forget, stay in the trenches and we will see you next time. Thank you.